This morning we are looking at Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Find it on the screen behind me, in front of you. If you've got it with you, you can follow along that way before we read it and talk about it. Let's pray together. But it's good sometimes to just take a moment and feel the silence. And remind ourselves that, that at the beginning of it all, you, you spoke into the silence and the universe was born. to remind ourselves that your word is is creative, your word is generative. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open us up to whatever it is that you have to say to us as we read your word, as we think about it. Pray that you would do whatever it is you need to do in each of us and all of us together. Speak, for we are listening. Amen. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh following its desires and thoughts, like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We'll go that far. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to, to do. So last week, we, we were messing around with this question of, uh, I think the all-important question of who, of who are you? What is your identity? Do you know who you are? And we talked a little bit about, we mentioned all the things that, that we use to uh, sort of identify ourselves. Right? When someone asks us the question, who are you? Uh, we talk about our names, our family, our relationships. We talk about our jobs, 
uh, what we do for a living, we talk about where we go to school. There are literally thousands of things that we use to describe our identity, who we are. But when we thought about it a little bit deeper, all of those things, not that they're not important, of course they're important, but a lot of those things are sort of surfacey things. And so as people of faith connected with Jesus, we ask the question, well, is there anything, is there anything more foundational than those things? Is there anything that uh, affects, transforms, changes the way that we think about all of those things? Uh, and of course there is. It's a relationship with Jesus. Because we're Jesus people, only in Jesus will we ever find out who we truly are. Only in Jesus will we ever discover and live into our true identity? And so we began talking about that just a little bit last week, right? And so here's a little, here's a little reminder of what, of what we talked about. We've been rescued. You have been rescued. So our identity, all of the ways in which we've made a mess of things, those things don't define us. We are not defined from our, by our past. We have been rescued from that. We've been qualified to be in a relationship with the divine. Like, God just makes it so. God can't stand the distance between us and the divine, and so God makes us qualified to be in a relationship. We've been redeemed, made useful again to partner with whatever it is that God is doing in the world, right? Those things are part of the foundation of who we are in Christ. Now, this morning, we're going to broaden that foundation just a little bit, and we're going to make it, we're going to make it personal, for each and every one of us. And we're going to do that by looking at Ephesians chapter 2, specifically one verse, verse 10, right? So, we are God's handiwork. So much here. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, to begin thinking about this, I want to ask a question. How many of us how many of us are on social media? Facebook, uh, Twitter, X, whatever it is we're calling it now, uh, Snapchat, uh, Insta. How many of us are on social media platforms? Okay. Basically all of us, unless we're not old enough to do so, right? So social media is like, it's huge. It's like you have to be on it if you're an adult. It's like you almost have to be on it. You don't have to be on it all the time. But it's like totally and completely changed the way that we sort of interact and communicate with one another. And some of it's really good. Some of it's really great. Some of it's awesome. But let's be honest about it. Some of it's kind of like, oh, no, that's not so good. Like, campaign season is upon us. Have you noticed? Right? It is like caucuses aren't that far away. Like Facebook especially, it's about to get crazy, right? So just beware, maybe take a break. I don't know, just a suggestion, right? But let's think for a moment about this new reality. Really, this reality is what, 10, 15 years old? It's not that old. Let's think about the reality of social media and what it really is. Essentially, essentially it's just a personal website for each of us connected with all sorts of other personal websites, right? Let's take Facebook, for instance. So on your Facebook page, if you can think back to when you set it up, you put all sorts of information about yourself on your Facebook page. You put your name, you put your birth date, you put your contact information, you put on there other sorts of information like school, 
where you work. Uh, you can put your religious affiliation on there. You can put your relationship status on there. You can share what you're uh, interested in, and then you can friend other people, and then you can see what they post. You can see all the information that they've put out there about themselves. You can see uh, who, who went where on what vacation. You can see whether or not someone's looking for a used car to buy. If you happen to have one, you can be like, hey, I got a car you can buy. It's totally revolutionized the, way, the ways in which we communicate with one another, right? It really is an amazing tool. But here's the thing about Facebook, and really all social media sites. Everyone's identity is self-generated. It's all, and having the freedom to self-generate your own identity, let's just be honest about it, it encourages embellishment. Sometimes it encourages outright dishonesty. Let's, let's be honest about it. You pay really close attention to everything you post and put out there, right? What you post, what you like, what you comment on, because you want to make sure that you want to make sure that you look good, right? Let's be honest about it. We even think very, very carefully, and sometimes we take time to deliberate whether or not we're just going to thumbs up something or whether we're going to heart something, right? Am I just going to like this, or am I going to love this? Because sometimes we think, well, if I love this, then I know that so-and-so might see it, and that would communicate something to them. Sometimes we spend a lot of time just thinking about that. Why is that? Right? It's because we're just trying to create this identity that other people will like. It will appeal to as many people as absolutely possible. And I think that's one of the reasons why social media is so popular, because it feeds that little part of ourselves, that little narcissistic part of every single one of us, right? It gives us the illusion that we create our own lives. It gives us, not that it's all bad, right? It can be incredible, but it feeds that part of ourselves that says, well, I'm in charge here. Like, I am a self-made human being. I control my own destiny, all that stuff. And what does Paul say to any of that? He says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are God's handiwork. So we're not self-made. We are God-made. We are not self-generated. We are God-generated. We are not self-invented. We are, we are God-invented. We're not self-created. We are God-created. Our lives are not this space that we sort of create for ourselves. Our, our lives are, are God's space, created for us and given to us by God for God's purposes. We are God's handiwork. And in Paul's words, there's this idea that's really cool. Behind that word handiwork, there's this idea that we are God's, I love this, we are God's artwork. We are God's masterpieces. Each one of us is a masterpiece of the divine artist. Think about how much 
think about how much attention to detail and creative energy it takes. It took for, think about any of the masterpieces you know about, the Sistine Chapel, obvious one, or think about all the different masterpieces you can think about. Think about how much creative energy and attention to detail it took to create those masterpieces. Now think about how much attention to detail and creative energy it took for the divine to create the masterpiece that is you and your life. You are God's masterpiece. Psalm 139 says this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's handiwork, God's artwork, God's masterpiece. Think about all the stories you tell yourself about yourself. Does it include that? You are God's masterpiece. Now, hidden in all these words and behind them is really, is really the creation story, when you think about it. Genesis 2, the Lord God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. Can dust form itself into a human? God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a human being. Genesis 1, so God created Adam in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are God's handiwork, God's artwork, God's masterpiece. Again, I ask you, of all the stories you tell yourself about yourself, does it include this one? You are God's masterpiece. You are God's artwork. That is who you are, part of the foundation of who you are. So nowhere in the scriptures will we ever find this idea that we human beings sort of create ourselves. Nowhere in the scriptures will we ever find the idea that we are self-made, self-generated, self-created, self invented. Nowhere. No matter how much the social medias give us the, that illusion that we can sort of create our own identities, we don't. We are, we are God's handiwork, God's masterpieces, God's artwork. So, okay. So we got that idea. We don't create our own selves. We don't create our own lives. We are created by God. We are God's artwork. So that's part of our identity. Then there's this other thing that we do. When we, when we think about ideas like this, then, then we, we start asking um, the question that once we learn it at age three, we never stop asking it. Why? Why? Like imagine a three-year-old. Why? All the time. Why? And we never stop asking that question. <laughs> I see that. Why? Well, well, why? Why has God made us? What are we made for? Verse 10, back to that one verse. We are God's artwork, handiwork, masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We've been created to do good works. We are God's handiwork made for something. We are made for work. And again, this goes all the way back to the creation story in Genesis. It's beautiful. Listen to what Genesis 1 says. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Till the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves 
along the ground. A little bit later on in chapter 2, the Lord God took Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden to, to till it and to take care of it. So here, Paul isn't even introducing a new idea. There's nothing new here. He's, he's sort of reaching back to the very beginning. And he's taking a very old, ancient idea. He's repackaging it a little bit, saying it a little bit differently. And then he's giving it to the people in the church in Ephesus. Apparently, they needed to be reminded of this too. We are God's handiwork, God's artwork, but we were made for something, made for work. In other words, God wants us in on the action. In still more words, God wants us to partner with God and what God is doing in the world. That's what we've been created to do. Now, one final idea that'll fill out that idea. This, just, this isn't just any kind of work we were created for. This is good work. And this isn't just any good work that we've been created for. This is good work which God prepared for us in advance to do. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just let that sink in for a little bit. Think about that. So we're going to back up just for a moment. We're going to sort of put things all together. So God paid great attention to detail in creating the artwork, the masterpiece that is your life. If that's not amazing enough, God did that so that you can partner with whatever it is God is up to in the world. This isn't a new idea. This is an ancient idea. Now, the same great attention to detail and energy that God put into making your masterpiece of a life, God put that same great attention to detail and that same kind of energy into creating good works for you to do. Sometimes we call this our calling. Sometimes we call this our vocation. Sometimes we call this our purpose. It's unique to you. It's unique to you. It's that place where your passions, where what you're really good at, your gifts, your personality, where you live and work, where all of those things sort of come together. When you find that place, you've found the good work that God has prepared in advance for you to do. So, I'm going to give you an example. We're going to talk about Paul, the guy who wrote these words. Like if you think about the life of Paul and what he did and accomplished, it's crazy. He knows a little bit about this. So, Paul wound up being the greatest missionary on the face of the earth, the greatest church planter on the face of the earth, planted all kinds of churches. What Paul accomplished will never be duplicated. It won't. When he became a follower of Jesus and lived into the work that God had for him, this movement of Jesus followers just went boom, exploded, right? And expanded around the globe, right? Here's how it worked for Paul. So God created Paul as a masterpiece. 
Right? He describes himself as a Pharisee. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Jewish to the core. He was really good at preaching and teaching and writing. He had an unparalleled passion for all things God. He was also fluent in Greek. He hailed from a place called Tarsus, which is in modern-day Turkey. He was a Jew immersed in Greek culture and Greek ways of living. All of those things sort of converged into one person, Paul. Now, God needed somebody to take the, the gospel, the ways and life of Jesus, Jewish in heritage, that was, need, God needed someone to take that to non-Jews, to Gentiles, to the Greek world. Who better to do that than this Jewish Greek dude named Paul? Right? In other words, he found the place where his passions, what he was really good at, his gifts, his personality, where he lived and worked. He found that place where it all came together. He lived into that, and this this movement of Jesus followers just went boom. It's why we're here today. All of us Jesus people. So you are God's masterpiece. You, your life. You are God's artwork. Again, of all the stories you tell yourself about yourself, does it include that one? Please let it include that one. You are God's masterpiece. That's your identity. God desperately wants to partner with you in in what God is up to in the world, and you've been made for something. It's unique to you. So what is it for you? I said this was going to be deeply personal. Where is it for you? Where is that place where your passions, what you're really good at, your gifts, your personality, where you live and work, where does that all come together for you so that you can partner with God in what God is up to in the world? Give it some thought today. That's your identity. Let's pray.